Hey, Health Heroes, it's Tim James. Um, a little pre-episode, pre-epilogue to the talk I had with David. Um, we got chatting afterwards, and we thought of something that was very important that we wanted to share. Um, David, why don't you talk to him about this this garden? You know, you're growing food for over 15 families on a half an acre, and it's just you got you got produce coming out of your ears, literally. Everybody loves it. What is one of that one strategy that you use that works so well to create so much abundance in the garden? So yeah, Tim, one of the things that that we didn't touch on, we you know that that really has had a big impact besides this, you know, organic amendments and things like that, is saving seeds. So when you grow a plant, whether you're doing it in containers or whether you're doing it in your raised beds, let one or more of your fruits go to seed and then harvest that seed and save it, dry it out, put it in a, a, a Ziploc bag or um, a, a vacuum type container, make sure all the moisture is out and then freeze it and then reuse that seed, that same seed next year because the seed itself will adapt to the soil. And it, it, when it adapts, the yields get better and better. So by reutilizing the same, the seeds from the same plot of ground over and over, season after season, your, your plants will just get better and better and stronger and stronger and more adapted to the soil. And of course your yields go up considerably from that standpoint. So saving seeds is, uh, is a big deal. It's a big deal. That's awesome. And what a great hack. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with me and my friend, David Botayoff on how to grow a whole bunch of veggies, feed yourself, feed your family, feed your community, and bring the community together. Enjoy the episode. The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your healthcare provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got an old friend, David Botayoff. And we are going to be talking about how to feed 15 families on a half an acre of land. David, welcome to the show, brother. Well, thank you for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. Um, man, well, we have lots of funny stories. So I was in the mortgage industry years ago, and David was running a Wells Fargo retail. And as most mortgage brokers know, um, retail banks can't really get everything done. So there's, there's, they have a certain little box they have to stay in. And we know that so that when clients come into them and they can't get their loan done, then they got to give it to somebody, got to get it done somewhere. So I tried to build a relationship with David and his team. And we did that. We worked together for a while and, and David and I just became friends. And we stayed in touch for a while, but when we lost touch and then you came to my house, uh, when, God, it was years ago when I was doing the the in-house in-person classes, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 So why don't you give everybody just a little bit little touch on your background and like how we how we connected? Well, my background has been in banking and financial industry. Um, currently, I'm a farmer's insurance agency owner. Um, but we became connected basically on our desire for a healthy lifestyle uh, and uh you had made that change out of mortgage and I was really interested in what you were doing. And when I saw what you were doing, I said, you know, that really resonated with me from a standpoint of, of my goal um, and, and my aim for a healthy uh, lifestyle, kind of free of chemicals. So we kind of, we had that bond it, mm -hmm. and, and it gelled. So it worked out really well. So, yeah, I told you we were teaching these detox and nutrition classes and juicing and raw food dinners. Um, you came to that. Can you remember what that experience was like? It was kind of an eye opener. Uh, I, I didn't realize, number one, just how simple it is to employ that lifestyle. Um, it's not complicated, and it was um, it, it created a uh, just an awareness that I didn't have previously. So I wanted to thank you for that, and it did it did uh, uh, trigger what we're going to talk about next from a standpoint of of gardening. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about that. So 
you um you you got into gardening when you were a kid, right? Yep. My father introduced me to it and and he always had seeds and always uh, had me make a garden during the summer. Uh, and that love for for gardening and plants and food kind of carried on into my life. Uh, when we lived down in the San Diego area, we uh, first started out with a with a with a garden in our in our place there, North County, San Diego. Perfect climate over there, especially for gardening. And that's where we got introduced actually to our garden uh, or an organic approach initially. Um, and I can kind of delve into that a little bit. We had a neighbor on the backside and he had a garden too and he employed a, a rototiller a troy built rototiller and i looked at that and i said boy i really would like to utilize one of those because it's a big time saver so i asked him about it he helped me with it i got the whole garden up and rolling the children were small and uh plants were coming up and i went out there with uh, a spray rig and began to spray my garden with chemicals and the neighbor who was an older gentleman he's leaning on the fence and looking at me, he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm spraying for bugs. And he said, shook his head and said, that's not the way to do it, young man. He said, keep your plants healthy, um, water them, make sure that they've got organic nutrients. We're gonna get you started in a mulch pile and you don't need to be using chemicals on your, on your plants. And so he, he gave me a, a lesson and it was absolutely true. Um, what was that? Um, what was that guy's name? We got to get him on the show. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's long gone. That's thirty years ago. But uh, his oh, name man. was Dave, and the, the kids called him Uncle Dave because he was always really helpful from the standpoint of uh, of our garden uh, in uh, Vista, California. That's pretty cool. So you 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 grew up gardening as a kid. You just got the bug. You got the tray belt. I remember those. Oh my God, we had uh, my dad actually had a rototiller. We had one of the smaller ones, you know, that was more my mom could use. But my dad bought this freaking this lawn, this uh, rototiller. It was so heavy. You couldn't. I mean, it had to run to move. It was it was a tank. (laughs) And it was like probably I don't know. That thing was probably three feet wide. And it it had a bunch of different levers and stuff on. I remember. I mean, we still have it. It's still on the farm. And things so heavy, you can't move it. I could probably get a million dollars for scrap metal out of the darn thing. It's heavy. It's a big, heavy, heavy deal. Heavy piece of machinery, yeah. Actually, funny story. It was like, like where our property sits, there's just kind of a slight downgrade. And and my dad has this thing. It's an old power wagon um, and uh, it's old pickup, basically. And it's got a big metal boom on the back of it. It was always parked up on the top part. And as a kid, I was always going there and pretend like I was driving and doing stuff and like, you know, Mission Impossible or something. And, and um, I must have kicked it out of gear. And that truck rolled slightly down that hill and started going heading towards the garden but guess what it ran into that big ass rototiller (laughs) and that big ass rototiller didn't move it stopped that truck rolling so i'm telling you it was a big freaking rototiller so anyway so you rototilled everything up you um you get caught spraying chemicals and somebody had a clue had some common sense stopped you so that Mm -hmm. was pretty cool yeah i was actually very fortunate that guy was there to help you bring that awareness um, and then what happened? What was next? Well, you know, we, uh, we ended up uh, relocating here to Oregon, um, and we purchased a home in an area in a neighborhood that just didn't have a whole bunch of land with it. But my brother, my older brother, um, had, uh, nine acres up in the Silverton Hills. So we carved about, we decided together, um, to carve about a half, uh, half an acre out of that and create an organic garden, uh, which we did. And, um, we put a, a deer fence around it, um, about 12 foot high, and then we hot wired it, and we designed and planned the whole whole uh, garden out with uh, automated drip system. Oh, you weren't messing around, man! A 12 foot high deer fence. You guys, what what are you feeding the deer down there? <laughs> uh, they they will get on on each other's shoulders to when they take a look at this garden. They'll hop on on each other's shoulders, see if they can jump over that fence. And you actually electrified it too to keep them out. They're so mm-hmm. wow. They must be very aggressive. Black they are. Tails, right? Yeah, they're uh, they're 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 an, an innovative bunch. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I've never heard of a twelve foot a deer fence before. That's a that's a big one. They, it's pretty amazing how high deer and elk can jump, though. I mean, people have no idea. They walk up and oh, they can and they just effortlessly bloop, and they jump over like a five six foot fence, no problem. Problem. No problem. Okay, so you and your brother decide to, um, and what, 
what kind of prompted that? What, why, what was going on inside your brain where you said, Hey, let's start growing a garden. Well, part of it was he was retiring. And so he needed something to do. Second of all, we looked at the, at the, uh, the whole picture of food and where it comes from. Uh, when you ask somebody on the street, well, where does your, your food come from? Most people say the grocery store. You don't realize that it, there's, there's a supply chain behind that. There's actually a producer out there someplace that's growing this food. And we had a desire maybe to be in more control as to where our food came from and what we were eating uh, and putting into our bodies, because that certainly affects both our health and our mental status and well-being. So we looked at that and said, this would be a fun project. Involve the family and other neighbors and friends uh, that kind of shared the same, the same vision that we did for, for health. So where did you learn that it might be better to grow your own stuff than to get it from the grocery store? We just have kind of an internal uh, motivation to, to, to want to grow our own food. And uh, so, so we, I mean, are you, are you talking about like, you know, like chemical fertilizers and you just, you didn't, you know, you, you had the awareness and you know, a lot of the genetically modified foods and the chemical sprayed and chemical fertilizers. And you just wanted to not put that in your body. Then it sounds like. Correct. And, and we had gone and, and attended some conferences put on by the state with regards to organic certification. And we did toy with the idea of maybe going commercial at one point in time and decided uh, based on, you know, where we wanted to go with this, we thought we would probably just kind of keep it within um, a close sphere of, of family, friends, and, and family. Do you remember uh, what the, I'm sorry, go ahead. So that was, that was our, our initial uh, focus after looking at the commercial side of it, organic certification through USDA versus just uh, staying uh, small and just being able to supply our, uh, our fence, friends and family. Okay. So do you remember in that process, David, when you like getting a USDA certification, what, what did that entail and what did you have to do as far as paperwork and fees? Looking at that, it, actually it depends on the size that you're, there, there's a threshold where you need to actually have USDA certification where they will come in and inspect and certify your plot of ground. Uh, we were gonna remain under that threshold. So we could still certify as uh, as organic if we were going to go commercial, but we would not actually need to have the inspections in order to do that. We would self-certify that we were organic. Mm -hmm. It's almost like what's what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> what's the point? We had I actually ran into a lot of because um, I go to a lot of the farmers markets and stuff around here, and I ask a lot of questions to the farmers to get to know them and their planting practices and how they remineralize the soil and you know. I just want to know. I like, I want to know. And you can, it's, it's so clear the ones that understand it and the ones that are, that don't, but I did talk to um, a lot of them and I'm they're like, is this, you know, organic or certified? And they're like, like they said, we, we're not doing that anymore. And well, they said, and I said, why not? And they said, because the, the state or the government or whatever, they want us to fill out a lot of paperwork, which takes time and pay them a lot of fees. and um, and the bottom line is, is they don't even come out and certify anything anyway. They don't even show up. They don't do anything, but the more money we make, the more money they take. So we just decided just to tell our clients, like, we're, this is what we believe in. We believe in no pesticides, no fungicides, no herbicides, no larvicides, no chemical fertilizers. This is how we grow our food. It's chemical free and it's truly organic. And you're just going to have to take our word or come out to the farm and work with us a little bit. You can see how we're doing it. So, you know, you just, it's, they just said, it's like, it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't their time and, and their money. But did you find that to be the case? Pretty much. And that's why we elected just to, just not to go that route with it. I mean, we knew what we wanted and we knew what we were going to do with, with, uh, with that plot of ground and how we were going to grow food. And we had, we, we didn't feel we needed any additional government involvement with that. Okay, cool. Awesome, man. We'll take a quick break. When we get back, I want to get into your current garden, or as you called it, the ultimate organic garden. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. 
This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health, while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. The best part? It is super gentle, and there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with my guest and friend, David Botayoff, and uh, we're going to now talk about his ultimate organic garden and how he's and his brother and family are feeding 15 families on a half an acre, which is pretty awesome. And it kind of flies in the guise of this whole methodology. Like, well, we have, we have to do genetic modification and we, we have to do these big agri farms and we have to do all this synthetic stuff because we have to have all this, all this food. Cause we have 7 billion people. How else are we going to feed all these people? We have to do all this crazy stuff to our food. And like, it, it it just blows my mind. And then what people, you know, don't really understand is 70% of all that food they're growing is going to, you know, animals that we eat cattle, you know, you have your chicken wings for Super Bowl. Like I think there's like a billion chickens that gets killed a day or something around Super Bowl. It's just some astronomical number. So, you know, number one, we can just reroute a little bit of that um, food towards humans and eat less animals, that's an instant fix. But number two, we can get really, really back to nature and we can grow um, really nutritious gardens by having really nutritious soil and be really smart about this and then have these bountiful yields like you guys are having. So how, how, how are you guys feeding 15 families on a half an acre? We utilize um, a, a, a bed type of concept where we will take one area of land and really work it in a row. We'll work that soil extensively from a standpoint of, um, of adding additional soil, organic soil amendments, uh, natural soil amendments from a standpoint of primarily dairy cow manure, mm -hmm. um, where we source it from organic dairies. Um, we season it for a while and uh, spread it out. We use straw. We use um, whatever types of mulching that we can get from home waste um, that we apply back into the, into the ground. So we utilize a kind of a holistic uh, organic approach towards, uh, towards building up the soil. And when you have great soil that has got a lot of, of, of worms and natural things in there, good things happen to plants at that point. Uh, they really do. And that, that good soil then transfers into great nutrients within your plants and an abundant, abundant yield, uh, far beyond what you could use uh, with chemical fertilizer. Yeah, have you seen, uh, I've actually seen documentaries where they have like literally one farmer next to another farmer and one farmer is using chemicals and the other farmer is totally about soil regeneration and stuff like that. And like literally there's, you know, there's the property line, right? And you're looking down it and literally the soil on the organics, you know, the regenerated soil type, it's taller, it's thicker, it's darker, it's richer. And on this side, it's kind of gray and it's, it's washing away. And it's just, it, it's, it's just like, it's right there. It's night and day. And then the quality of the foods coming out of them is like, it's, it's extraordinary, right? Yeah. You know, in our, in our plant beds, you can literally take your hand and, and put it down halfway to your elbow without without any resistance whatsoever. It is so fluffy. It's, uh, it's a beautiful uh, soil. So you probably can get some big old carrots out of that deal. Oh, they're, hey, they're huge. <laughs> I bet they are. You like carrots, which we do. <laughs> Carrot juice. Yeah, I know my uh, neighbors, uh, the Larvix growing up, they had these huge carrots and I think they put sand, lots of sand in the beds so the carrots could expand and grow and, and get bigger. And boy, they would, you know, it's all, it's all about the environment. It really is. It's like, we talk about this all the time about our health. You know, if you want to change your health, you want to change your skin, you want to change your vibrational frequency, how much energy you have. It's an inside job. You have to go inside and clean up the digestive tract. I guess, I guess mine wasn't on airplane mode. Did you hear that? I, yeah, I did. That's fine. Sorry, health heroes. Um, we, <laughs> I am going to airplane. I just, I must've turned it back off. That's weird. 
Oh, I did turn it back off. That's right. I did a podcast right before this one on somebody else's show, and I turned it off, but I turned it back on to do a call. So my bad. All right. So I was talking about carrots and sand and how they grow, and I lost my train of thought. But um, man, they they actually um, his his mom was like growing. They were making lentil soup and doing all this stuff. I never even heard of some of this stuff that they were doing because we were just so standard American diet, like meat and potatoes, cake, ice cream, and candy, and repeat. You know and man they had we had a big garden and stuff like that don't get me wrong but um they were growing stuff that uh that you know i never even heard of which was really cool and now i've you know obviously heard of it and eat most of it so what was the big um so everybody in your family is are they helping out on this process or the neighbors everybody's involved do they come and do something or you guys do it and they just pay you no we actually uh look for them to volunteer so we put word out to the the, uh, the, the families that have expressed an interest in, in the garden and that we're going to have planting day on such a day. And then we uh, first start out with collapse. We get everybody with, uh, on, on, uh, in chairs outside of the garden and uh, we get a whiteboard and we lay out the plan about where the plants are going to go. So everybody's kind of good. We make it just a fun time and it's a great time. We get the kids out there. Everybody gets their seeds or whatever. We, we get ready to go from a planting standpoint. We give them the instructions on the depth and where we're putting it. We usually have signs out um, that are put within the rows as to where the specific um, plants are going to go. And uh, we keep a, a, a pretty accurate journal of where the plants go because we practice plant uh, crop rotation. So we won't put the same the same plants back in the same row year after year. We will rotate them through so that we uh, we get uh, better production that way by, by utilizing crop rotation. That's one of the key factors that we do for keep, keep our plants healthy. So everybody comes out, we have a great Saturday. Uh, we start early, um, we work and we're usually done by early afternoon getting our first planting in. Uh, and then throughout the season, uh, we will ask people to come in. Uh, it's your week to weed. And uh, we have our hula hose and our hose. And every, since we don't utilize any kind of commercial pesticides or fungicides or anything like that, it's up to us to, to utilize a little, a little uh, human power in yeah. uh, the way it was uh, in, uh, in previous times um, to get out there and, and uh, take care of the, uh, the weeds and, uh, and help with the plants as they're growing up. Same so thing you guys, have you guys looked into any um, essential oils as far as herbicides or pesticides, not herbicides, but like pesticides, fungicides? We, we've, uh, we've utilized to a limited basis, but quite honestly, Tim, we've just abandoned that whole idea. And, and because we found that when you've got really, really healthy plants, they will they produce a natural repellent to, uh, to bugs. Yep. Or if, if they do sustain a little bit of attack, they are well able to recover from it. When your plants are healthy, your soil is good, the plants themselves put up a, a very effective barrier to any kind of incursion um, and any kind of infestation. Yeah, I, I think I just talked about this on the previous podcast. Um, you know, it was like in the 60s and 70s, they were spraying six to seven times on these apple orchards and stuff, cherry orchards. And people were just beside themselves, the environmentalists, and they were up in arms, the people, because they were like, this is terrible, and it's like chemicals, and it's getting into our environment. And now the average apple tree or orchard is getting sprayed 16 to 17 times a year. It's worse, it's right? Worse. And yeah. so they went down that chemical route that, you know, what would you say? Uncle Dave said, hey, son, you're doing it all wrong, right? <laughs> They kept doing that round and they've been taught that you have to do it this way. We get brainwashed and farmers are good, decent people. Most of them. And they're just like, oh, I got to do this. Cause I got to get the yields. I got to make money. And they just, they, they just, I don't know. They lose that connection with nature and forget that they are part of nature. I, my heart goes out to them because these poor bastards are out there and these women, uh, men are spraying these crops and they're also spraying themselves. And a lot of them end up with cancer and they get all these health issues and they don't even make the connection for some reason. Or if they do, they just like, what do I got to do? I got to make a living. I, they just keep doing it. That actually happened to a neighbor of ours. But your point is, and I've seen it a gazillion times, is that if you have strong soil, your healthy, strong, rich, nutrient-dense soil, you're going to have healthy, strong, rich, nutrient-dense plants. Or if you feed those plants to animals, you're going to get strong animals. So the food chain 
we got to go back to the root of the problem, which no pun intended, but it's the soil quality. And if those um, farmers, those orchard farmers back in the 60s and 70s would have had the awareness and had somebody show them, hey, look, we need to increase the nutrients in the soil, they wouldn't have had to sprayed and they would have had a natural insecticide would have been produced, which is always isn't happening in all plants. And they would have had a better yield. They would have made more money. And then, you know, it would have been good for everybody, right? That's correct. You know, I just read an article uh, someplace in the Midwest. They, the, the amount of fertilizers coming out of the, the soils there are getting into the water system and causing an algae bloom that they can't control. So it has utilization of, of, um, of, of commercial type products in there. It has long-term effects on the environment that are not good. And they affect things well beyond where the, the actual application was. They they tend to travel, and so it, being able to go back to back to the original plan of of just using natural amendments and utilizing the soil has beneficial effects uh, well beyond just the food, but uh, in the food chain, but also the environment itself. I think you're right on that, Tim. Yeah, and if you look, there's actually maps of like tributaries and stuff like that. You can see the Mississippi as it dumps into the Gulf down there. Um, oh, I can't remember that oceanographer gal, uh, Sonia or something. I can't remember. She's been an oceanographer for like 60 years or something. And they showed pictures of her in the 60s in the Gulf of Mexico. And it was just teeming with life and all this stuff. Just fish everywhere and coral and all this stuff. It's all dead now. It's a dead zone nothing grows there it's all and it's getting larger every year and it's it's like a ghost town there's no life there and it's from the algae blooms and all the those chemical fertilizers that are feeding you know the central um area of america there and then feeding into that that tributary of the mississippi river and coming down into the gulf it's killing everything i don't know if it has anything to do with it but also like some of those asian carp got introduced on accident to and then you, you drive, I don't know if that's was just, they took over because they had no natural predators or because the, it also raises the temperature of the, the water, right? And then you see those guys driving around in boats fishing and the, the fish are like jumping up in the air and landing in the boats. And there's just so many of them. It's just, it's, it gets out of balance. Whether you have a, a species that's transplanted, like the Asian carp into an area where they have no known predators, they go crazy and they disrupt the, everything for everybody, or it's a chemical fertilizer too much of it it's synthetic it's man-made it's it's disrupting um it's really disrupting nature and there's a it's it's a full circle effect because it, it, it's going to come back and and bite us in the ass basically with um our health <clears throat> because it's it's messing with uh, the natural balance of nature and the planet so looking at we we utilize a lot of volunteer you know from the from our friends and and uh, neighbors coming in and helping out during the season um, and that could be, um, you know, staking the tomatoes, tying them up as we go along. Um, and then when the plants uh, begin to produce, um, we get people on a schedule to make sure that we have people coming in regularly to pick because the, the more you harvest, the more the plants produce. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we make sure that we harvest uh, on a regular basis uh, throughout the season. And we end up with just an abundance, abundance of produce. We choose plants that people want to eat, uh, foods that people like, from tomatoes to cucumbers to uh, squash to um, peppers, uh, root vegetables. Um, we also, um, we grow potatoes. Um, and uh, and that, the harvest of those is a little bit more labor intensive, but it's, it's fun too, just to get covered with dirt from head to toe sometimes and it's also healthy for you too you're actually getting exposed to more of those good bacteria yeah so yeah. you guys are what's the difference in the taste of these vegetables um and stuff that you're growing compared to the stuff you're getting in the store uh the taste is incredible usually it's um it's surprising just the amount of flavor that is in food Number one, we pick it when it's at its prime. So it's, it's, it's coming to the table very, very quickly, but it's not sitting in a warehouse under refrigeration for a long time either. So you get that, that just that flavor is just incredible. Uh, hits your taste buds and you can't imagine that things like that can taste so good. And for the most part, 
you don't need a whole lot of things to add to it. You, you don't need a whole lot of salt on your stuff. You find just the flavor comes through and you just enjoy that from that standpoint. So do you have a hard time not smiling when you're eating this food? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun when you go through. It's hard, hard to walk past the plant without picking something and eating it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what I think is really cool about this? What you guys are doing is you're doing the exact opposite of what's happening now the disassociation of people they get these houses and the townhomes and the cities just want to have their tax revenue and they stack everybody in these boxes and and then you know there used to be big front porches and everybody hung out in the front porch and neighbors would come by and say hello and have a seat and we talk a little bit and everybody was connecting the community now the front porch is gone and it's like do not solicit do not da, da, da. and then there's a back porch and everybody hides in their back porch right and what you guys are doing is you're actually bringing people out bringing people together and um, that's got to be good for the heart, the soul. I know it's boosting the immune system. And the best part of this stuff is, you know, you guys are getting the kids involved. So once you talk about that, what have you seen with the kids coming out there? You know, it's kind of fun when um, we had our, our initial garden in, uh, in Vista, California. Uh, the children were small and we had a, a short little fence around the garden just to keep the rabbits out. And I would take uh, my two-year-old daughter and put her at one end of the garden and let her, as we say, graze. Mm -hmm. You would graze and we never worried about having to wash the food ahead of time. There wasn't any need. There was nothing applied to that plant that was toxic to anybody that you would need to clean it off. And we would, she would start at one end of the garden or work her way all the way through eating cucumbers, tomatoes, um, raw squash, it didn't matter. Uh, she, she ate it. And so getting kids and saying, well, hey, we're gonna work in the garden, we're gonna pick today and eat all you want. And don't worry about washing it because there's nothing bad on there. You can eat it just as, as it is. Um, of course, if you're pulling up a root vegetable, you may want to not want to eat the dirt. But um, the other plants, yeah, fully consider. And it's fun to watch kids get involved with that. And they do learn where food comes from. And it doesn't come from the grocery store. The grocery store doesn't produce food. The food actually comes from the land. Yeah, so you guys get them involved. They're actually using both hands, so one hand doesn't have to be on a cell phone 24-7. <laughs> They're doing a little mini technology fast as they get out there and probably reconnecting. I bet the kids are smiling a lot, too, just being out there and having a good yeah, time. Fine. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it just kind of makes me wonder, like you just said, yeah, we didn't have to worry about my daughter. She didn't have to wash anything off because there's no toxins being applied to it. When you really just stop and use common sense, it's like, that's the way it should be. It's like, it's almost crazy. Like, why would you have to wash off the toxins off your food that you intentionally put on? That is just insanity when you really think about it. It's so far off from, from the natural order of things. Yeah, and I think uh, that, that, that creates that awareness from a young age that mm -hmm. you, you can, uh, you, you need to take charge of your health and you should be aware of what goes into it. And stuff that comes out of the soil like that in a, in an in an organic environment like that it's good for you and you can eat whatever you want yeah yeah where does beef come from yes a lot of kids oh mcdonald's <laughs> you know it's like nope i wouldn't want to eat that stuff anyway all right man we're going to take a quick break and when we get back i want to get into some of these solutions that you can share for people that want to grow a garden at any size, not maybe a half acre. Maybe you don't have a half acre. Maybe you don't, your house isn't even sitting on a half acre, but what we can do, Dave and I are going to give you guys some solutions on what you can do. Start small and work your way up. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back again with my friend, David Botayoff, and we've been talking everything gardening. Um, again, the title of this show is um, about how to grow a lot of food for 15 families on half an acre. So for those of you, half an acre is not really that much. It's pretty small. Um, I don't know. What would you say? It's about the size of a basketball court? 
half acres probably two or three actually basketball courts pretty good size but three, uh, yeah a couple yeah. basketball courts yeah i guess an acre yeah a couple of them so it's not a whole lot of room but you guys are getting a tremendous amount of produce you're feeding 15 you said 15 easy it's actually more than that but um so okay for somebody listening and they're like okay i don't have a half an acre i have a little strip of land or I have a very little, I live on a roof. I mean, I can get into sprouting and we can talk about that, but what are, what are solutions for people that want to grow a little garden outside or even inside? What would you suggest? You can go up rather than spreading out. So you can take a smaller piece of land or a small plot and you can trellis things. You can have them grow on stakes, your plants. So you can actually go, you can go vertical rather than horizontal. And there are a lot of ways, especially online, you can look and see how you can utilize uh, sometimes PVC pipes, some sort of container systems that you can utilize on a smaller plot of ground to go vertical rather than horizontal. And so you don't necessarily need to have a large plot of ground. You can have a small plot of ground or you can actually have no ground from a standpoint of container gardening. You can duplicate pretty much just about everything you can do on a large plot of land within containers on a patio if you wanted to do it that way. So again, looking at it just from a, a perspective of I don't need the horizontal, but do I have the vertical room that I can go up rather than um, rather than uh, out? Yeah, like tomatoes in the example, they're, they, they'll just grow right up the like a lattice work. You can pick the tomatoes right off the lattice work. They'll grow like crazy. So tomatoes can be staked, cucumbers, beans, all those can grow. All of those were actually, you know, they're designed to grow, um, grow vertically. And uh, you can set those things up and have them start climbing. And it's fun to watch. You can bring the kids out and say, hey, how much did the plants grow today? Kind of fun. So what, what kind of containers would you recommend as wooden boxes? Or would you get like, you know, buy some uh, livestock troughs or combination what 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 do you, you guys notice work best you can utilize a combination of a lot of those things raised beds are great uh, by utilizing building your own boxes mm -hmm. if you're going to use raised beds uh in a small pot of ground uh, you can utilize wooden containers they're usually uh they will last longer than than plastics will um i think the focus is is that we're looking at right now is maybe trying to move away from plastics seeing that all the the fact is these things, you never get away from them. They never go away. They get into our water and, and a lot of things. So utilizing more, um, more lumber, things that are sustainable mm -hmm. uh, that you can use to put your plants in. And, so like a metal, a metal trough might not be the best because it could also get too hot too, probably. It could, um, and it, it'll rust after a while. So if you're looking at a more permanent solution, you, you want to use things that are, that are going to be a little bit more a robust and, and long-term. Yeah. Good old wood nature old wood. again. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so the message is you don't need a lot of land. Actually you need none. You can grow in pots. Right. And they also have these vertical gardens. You can see them online. Like these, there's these things you can put like in your house and they have a water system and they just, you plant stuff. And all of a sudden this tower there, that's what they're called. They're called vegetable towers or gardening towers. towers. Correct. You can do this in, in your house. Like you can have a towering uh, pile of vegetables just cascading down all over you. They just pick them and I mean, it ain't going to get no fresher than that where you just like literally pick it and then put it in the pot <laughs> or just start chopping it up and eating it like it's in your house. So and that's, that's a great way to do it. You can, uh, they, they utilize all kinds of different systems for that. Like you explained the tower system. So there's plenty of stuff online to look at to, uh, to get some ideas from. Some you yeah. can buy. Some, if you're enterprising enough, you can make yourself. Okay. So what about, um, okay, so we've covered inside. I mean, I'll probably talk about sprouts a little bit because I'll just say it really quickly because I want to move on to a little bit bigger patches of land. But if you guys, um, hopefully you're being inspired today to <clears throat> grow some veggies and grow some sprouts. So you can also do veggies in the house. You can definitely do sprouts in the house. Definitely. And that's very easy. I would start off with like lentils and mung beans are what we always start people off with because those are ready in like two and a half days. You can just throw, you know, no dirt even needed. And you can start putting those in salads and mix them in with hummus or whatever type of sauce you want. And those are awesome. And, uh, so, and you know, sprouts in general are about 10 to 30 times more uh, nutritious than fresh picked vegetables. So 
think about like a, uh, a little sprout. It's going to grow into um, like an alfalfa sprout. It's going to grow into a big, huge alfalfa, like, you know, bush. And then it's going to produce, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of seeds. The power of that is all in that one little tiny sprout. So it's quite remarkable. So sprouts are a very, um, also uh, from a time management standpoint and from a health standpoint, powerful medicine. Um, they take up a very small area, very potent, um, and they're delicious and they're super fresh. They're, they're, there's no fresher than that. I mean, a gardening, you pick it and you eat it on the spot. That's like eating a sprout. Sprouts are alive while you eat them. So you're actually transferring over electrons into your body and, and burning out disease and, and creating vital uh, health and hormone communication. There's so many things with, with sprouts. So hopefully you guys, if you haven't, we have a past episode where I said, um, it was like how to increase your nutrition by up to 800% through sprouting. That's a good one. Okay, David. So we can got towers in the house. We can sprout in the house. If you have a back porch, you can put containers and do that. You can do raised beds. If you have a little bit of area, what if somebody has like a half an acre or more and, and what would you recommend that you guys have learned on your half acre that they do? One of the, the, with that large of, of a land, you got to look at some automation. So you would want to look at uh, employing a, a drip system for your irrigation. Uh, there, it, there's a couple of benefits to that. Number one, you're utilizing um, a precious resource, water, very effectively. You're putting the water right where the plant is, and you're not watering things that aren't growing. Uh, that's yeah. one benefit to that. Or having it evaporate in the air, which drives me absolutely bazonkers. Absolutely. The, uh, poor farmers, they spend tremendous amounts of money on those irrigation systems. And you see it's 90 degrees, and it's doing its thing. And bury any of it's even make it to the ground. It's just evaporating. It's crazy. Evaporating, correct. And and the other the other benefit to that, of course, is you have a lot less weeds because you're not watering with flood irrigation. You're not watering the entire parcel. You're mm -hmm. you're keeping the water where the plant is, and so you don't have as many weeds to deal with when you de deal with the drip irrigation system. The other thing is probably the time saving aspect. You can set this on a timer, set up your timing system and your garden's going to get watered. There are other options with that. You can set into rain gauges or rain sensors so that if it's raining, your drip irrigation will turn off. So you're not having to utilize um, waste water from that standpoint. Cool. Uh, there are also other systems designed to measure the um, moisture in the soil. So when it's needed, depending upon the type of plant, the drip will turn on. And when it's not needed, it will not turn on. So it'll be based on what the plant's needs are, not necessarily what the weather is telling us or what the, what the soil Ooh, looks like. That one sounds like the best solution, that last one you gave, where it's testing the soil moisture content. You just make it turn on when it needs it, and it shuts off when it doesn't. Perfect. Yeah, and those, those are some of the big advantages, but I think the time-saving aspect, you don't have to really worry so much and you're not really tied to the garden all the time, you can, if you know a heat wave is coming, then you can readjust the timer to uh, supplement a little bit more water. Um, and again, if a storm is coming, you can either use a rain gauge or just shut it off completely. Yeah. What about seeds? What kind of seeds would you recommend? There are, uh, if you want to go true organic, there are several suppliers that supply organic seeds. Um, in some, from standpoint of uh, heirloom seeds, uh, things that have not been modified genetically. Um, so here's a company Oregon, called uh, Johnny Seeds. Johnny Seeds, you can get them online. Um, here in Oregon, you can get them locally. There are several places down in the Springfield, U Eugene area that supply heirloom type seeds, uh, organic type seeds for your garden. And you're going to get something that's going to be uh, something that you are not going to get in the store. You won't see things like that. You'll be looking at some 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 of some of those vegetables can be rather odd, and they're unique, um, and you can have fun with it because you just won't see those things uh, in the ubiquitous grocery store. Yeah, that's cool. So okay, so somebody's listening. Um, what I'm hoping is that some of you are inspired not to only grow for yourself, which is awesome, totally cool, but why not get the family and the friends and the neighbors together and bring that community aspect back in? So. If some of you are looking for a way to connect with other people, which is typically always the case, I mean, we're basically pack animals. What a better way than to, you know, people sit down, used to be you'd sit down, there was no tel telephones and, and, you know, cell phones and distractions and iPads and all that stuff. 
and families would sit down and they would connect and they would break bread and, and, and check in with each other. And that was part of that building that family bond, which was so important. And I think we've lost that a little bit. We can bring that back. So for those of you that want to bring that back into your community, David, what would, you know, it sounds like it's pretty simple. Like you just started, what did you guys do? You went and talked to your friends. You got some people involved, said, yes, we're going to do this. Here's, we're going to do it. And you just set the schedule. It looks like there was a little bit of, a little bit of planning. It's almost like you guys should like put, I mean, you probably have this in a step-by-step -step plan. You could like package this up and then just sell it to people and say, here, here's how to do it. Here's how we're doing it at least. We got people involved with by after the first year, just by taking um, some bags of, of um, produce over to people, you know, friends of you, and we drop it off and say, here's what we're producing. Um, would you like to help out next year? Would you like to give us a hand? And people were just ecstatic. Number one, they tasted the stuff and said, yeah, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, so, so good. <laughs> so, yeah, we just, uh, and we have so much, you just kind of give it away. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've taken it down to the food bank, too. And um, so it, pre it presents a lot of opportunities. But we got people involved just by giving it away and say, hey, try this. What do you think about it? And why don't you join us for next year? We could use, you don't have to put any money. Just just, uh, just uh, give us a hand with it. Just your labor. Yeah, people get so ingrained. I actually worked on it. It was, blew my mind, but it was like, in La Grande in Eastern Oregon, there was this guy, he had this organic farm. His name was Dennis. He was really cool. And he, um, no pesticides, none of that stuff. Um, for the corn he grew, he used ladybugs. He just bought a bunch of ladybugs, threw them on the corn. The corn was covered in ladybugs. They ate, and then we hardly ever found a worm, not one. Just the ladybugs did all the work. It was awesome. He just, he just bought him a couple boxes of ladybug uh, bugs. So that was cool. And I remember having omelets with his, like, yellow and, and green zucchinis and the tomatoes and the oh my god the most flavorful I mean, they were the i was just so good i was like i never put vegetables in my i never had omelets like that growing up we just had like bacon and eggs right never had them but after that he taught me i was like wow vegetables are really good in eggs i mean this is amazing and one year he decided to do now these are hybrid i know but they were super sweet there was a yellow super sweet corn and a white corn so these are hybrid and they've been hybrid to have higher sugar content. So I'm not promoting this, but the point is, is that everybody wanted golden Jubilee. They had to have golden Jubilee. They had it in their mind. I have to have golden Jubilee. And I was like, no, we've got this new yellow, super sweet. And we've got this white corn. And um, he said, if they don't want it, just give them an ear or two. And he goes, they'll be back. And they'll, they won't be wanting golden Jubilee anymore. And like, I had this guy, he's I was like, Hey man, here, you want to get he got some corn? I'm like, yeah, we got this super sweet here. We got this white corn. No, no, no. I want golden jubilee. I'm like, no, dude, I've had these. I put this corn in my omelets. It's 10 times better than that stuff. He's like, no, I've been eating golden jubilee for 50 years. That's what I want. I was like, all right, well, here, just take it home and freaking try one. He's like, okay. And then a couple of days later, he comes back. He's like, I'll take 20 years of that white corn. <laughs> that super sweet. He changed his tune. He goes, I, he never want golden jubilee again. So it kind of reminded me, maybe not the best story because I don't want to promote hybridization, but anyway, um, you give people tasty stuff and they'll come back. They want more. See, it's our, it's our, in, it's an intrinsic nature. We want, we know, and we like things that are the closer to nature, the better, the better they're going to taste, the better they're going to make us feel energetically. Those people ate that food that you grew with all that love and tenderness and care and all these nutrients. They were able to bring all of that love and, terror and, and tenderness and care into their body. And they were like, wow, I want to be a part of this. And I guarantee there's so many people that want to be a part of this thing. So if any of you are out there inspired, get together with your friends, get together with your family and your neighbors and just start growing, man. Start growing. So, David, thank you so much for coming on, brother. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. We'll have to we'll have to catch up. And uh, I'm glad you got out of corporate America over there at Wells Fargo, because I know you probably got sick and tired of conference calls. <laughs> <laughs> I like these calls a whole lot better. What did you have? You, did you have a conference call like every five minutes in that company? It seemed like it. Yeah. yeah. What have you done for me lately in the last five minutes? Never, <laughs> never, never, uh, just and never ending stress and then trying to herd cats and all this stuff. I get it. So I'm, I'm happy for you that you got out of there. I'm really, ha really happy that you're gardening and we got to reconnect and, and you were able to share your story. And I hope it really does inspire other people because this is where it's at, guys. We have to. And for those of you that are like into prepping or you're worried about supply chain delays, 
now's a good time to stock up on seeds and grains and beans and nuts and get, get these things in containers. I mean, I've got thousands and thousands of pounds of these things. I'm not worried if something happens. And again, even if you don't have the capacity for that, get yourself a wild foraging book. That is that you can buy one of these at a used bookstore for like five, 10 bucks, get a wild foraging book in your area. And if shit hits the fan, you're good to go. If you have that book, cause there's food everywhere. These things that we call weeds, most of them like purslane and stuff like that are just amazing. Dandelion leaves. This is a top six Chinese herb and we spray them and kill them because we think they're terrible, right? These are like dandelion leaves are bitters. Do you guys have dandelions out there? Do you grow them? Yeah. Well, dandelions, absolutely. You can yeah. eat them, put them in your salad. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, we have like 25 bitter receptors in our stomach and only one sweet receptor. So that tells me using common sense, that we should be eating things that are bitter, things like arugula, things like dandelion leaf. And these are the things that you can grow yourself and you don't need anybody else to do it. And then you get the satisfaction of knowing that you, you're self-sustainable. And Morgan, you can bring, the, bring your family together, raise your kids right, get them in touch with Mother Earth, which is where they come from, and bring, and bring this to, to our communities. We really need this. So David, thank you for coming on and thank you for growing all that wonderful food and um, and healing all these families, not just physically, but I think emotionally and spiritually that growing that gardening and coming together, you're, you're really doing uh, God's work out there, the brother. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much, Tim. Most kind words. Take care. Okay. And thank you health heroes around the world for tuning in. If you guys uh, would like more, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Um, if you felt uh, inspired or you think this would be a good show to share with other people, go ahead and do that. We love you guys. And until next time, change yourself, change your world, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. Ha, ha, ha.